0: hello and welcome to champion casters a podcast about heroes and craft where we analyze the motifs and themes behind your favorite film and television heroes and everything we say is in comic sans my name is michael ruiz and my name is
1: joe tomlin and i've got a question for you today bud uh um shoot do you have a favorite nick cage movie what's my favorite nick cage movie what's your favorite nick cage movie Gosh, he's been in a lot of movies. Nicolas Cage films. Like, I grew up watching National Treasure and National Treasure 2, so I'm kind yes. of inclined to, to answer that. Can I say Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Because he voices Spider-Man Noir in that movie. So, in I'm, theory... Yes, yes, I would count that. Okay, then that's my answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is such, like, a highlight in that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So there's no way you can't... like. No one can deny he's not a highlight, and so mm-hmm. by all means that counts. Yeah, I, I think that like that and National Treasure are like the, the 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 easy answers for us specifically with our demographic. But I think I think Face Off has a very specific kind of hilarity to it because I do remember it being the first time I watched a movie, and even as a child, I remember thinking this is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 then like the people in my room being people in the room being like oh yeah well it's just nick cage you know he just does weird shit right this is just kind of his thing and i remember being like oh that was like the first time i was kind of in on the joke of like oh wow this guy he's so weird right Mm-hmm. it's, it's weird how i don't know when he became this is this is even before memes were memes right that he became a joke right like just
1: his existence <laughs> in part was like a half a joke yeah, like you know, when we were growing up, people would do Nicolas Cage impressions, even when like most of his homography was kind of out at that point. You know, yeah, like he was kind of slowing down his career when we were watching him, and he's picked it back up within the last few years. Yeah, uh, no- notably for for tax reasons and for debt <laughs> reasons.
0: You yeah, know, it's uh, it's it's a rough time for Mister Cage, but. Why are we talking about Mr. Why are we talking about him at all, Joe?
1: Yeah, we're talking about Nick Cage because we decided to see the film The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which yep. is a movie where Nick Cage stars as himself. Yep. Um it's directed by uh, Tom Gormican. It stars Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, Sharon Horgan and Lily Mosheen. And basically the plot is Nicholas Cage is going through a divorce. He's unable to connect with his daughter, among many other people in the film, uh, and is in massive debt. He, on top of all of this, he's feeling insecure about his talent and the art he's creating. Until he meets Javi, a wealthy multimillionaire who is willing to pay Nick a hu- a million, basically a million dollars. To mm-hmm. appear just at his birthday party, because Javi is a big fucking fan. This film is a romance bromance between Nicolas Cage and Javi. Uh, it's also a comedy and an introspective look at Nicolas Cage. Kind of poking fun at him, but also being very sincere and kind of being a scurian of Hollywood as well. It, it's a wild time. And, and honestly, there's a lot that isn't covered in this uh, plot summary. So that's to say spoilers ahead for what yeah. we're about to talk about. If you haven't seen this movie.
0: It's one of those things that you can't deny this movie isn't, this movie isn't static, but holy shit, this movie really takes some, it really goes on some twists and turns, so to say, and that's, (laughs) perhaps that's the point, and we're going to get into that, but I agree. I would go see this, you know, I, there was nobody else in the theater when I watched this, other than, like, two bros in front of me, just kind of broing out the entire time, they were having a good time, and the spirit of the movie, I felt like it was so poetic to see them hanging out with each other. Yeah, I like to think that you, you, you and I were together in spirit. So, honestly, you know, if you if you got your friends together, or if you got a friend to go see this with, I think it's going to be a good time. So, I'll give I'll give it the the thumbs up on my end, Joe. Would you agree?
1: Uh, I would totally agree. I actually was able to convince Shannon to go see this movie. No, of course, you were. It's like it looks goofy and ridiculous, right? And that's up her alley. Um, at first, when we first saw the initial trailer, she wasn't convinced, but then she saw the clip that went viral about uh, uh Paddington 2. And she's like, okay, mm-hmm. I think I could be down for this vibe. And she was. So uh, her and I would probably both give a thumbs up to the movie as well. But that being said, we should probably get uh, down to it. How, huh, Michael? Yeah, look at
0: that movie. Look at this movie. Partner approved. But yeah, I agree. So <laughs> I our normal analysis feels kind of weirdly ridiculous with this movie. And... For as much as this movie is goofy, I do think there is, like, a narrative meta-commentary happening here, because there is that weird form of, like, metaness in this movie, that is, we're watching Nick Cage play himself in a fictionalized world that is reflective of his real world, yet tangential enough so that it doesn't feel like it's invasive upon his, like, personal life. And I don't know how many mirrors we go through on that front, we go from, like, real life to reflection- to movie, to reflection, then back to movie. So we're like five mirrors deep at that point. You know, what ends up happening is we get this, right? Where no one's a real character except Nick Cage. And I don't know what to make of that, Joe. About him (laughs) making this decision as like, you know, as a performer to be, I'm going to star as
1: myself. Kind of. Right. And... What's weird, what's even weirder about all this is to think that like this movie is not written nor directed by Nicolas Cage. This was a script that was written with specifically Nicolas Cage in mind and then presented yes. to him and then he said yes.
0: I can't help but feel maybe this is just the, the 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 jumping off point that perhaps my brain is going to at this moment that is this movie is the the the, the meta commentary of what people talk about with Hollywood now, the people are just playing themselves, right? You know, mm-hmm. character. people get typecasted and they end up playing the same type of role over and over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And this is Nick Cage literally playing himself, and yet he's found himself in one of the most absurd, ridiculous stories imaginable. So in some mm-hmm. ways, it's almost like the, the story itself is, is playing into that. And at times, I feel like, That is weirdly what makes this movie, like, slightly imperfect, is that, like, for as fun as it is, this movie is a lot about how Nick Cage has this range as a performer, and yet the movie, at times, kind of just wants him to be the meme Nick Cage, you know what I mean?
1: Right. And Nicholas Cage is just being completely bombastic, and he's being a weirdo, uh, and he's being art-obsessed, and narcissistic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, you have this here that, like, what makes an artist, right? And it's, there's a lot here about, in this movie, about, like, how he is so wrapped up in himself, he's so wrapped up in what he's creating right now, that he has time for nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it very much is, like, is, is also trying to, like, talk about, like, that whole tortured artist idea and trope, especially as he relates to his own work, as he, mm-hmm. is he, clearly has like an affinity for this for what acting is it can be yet somehow it ends up kind of tanking all the relationships in his life in this in this fictional life of course you know you know we Mm -hmm. don't act i don't know i'm not up to date on my on my nick cage personal drama uh (laughs) i don't have my tmz alert for, for nick cage out there i don't know what he's actually going through but that is the story of this movie and what do you think this movie makes of hollywood right now joe
1: oh gosh um did you ever watch BoJack Horseman? No, that's
0: it, that's one of my big it's one of my big spots I've never gotten to. It's okay, you watched
1: it with this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's a similar tone and similar themes. Um, it's skewering Hollywood. It's making fun of Hollywood. Um, I think this many times throughout the film will have scenes where the characters are disc- because okay, we need. I guess we should. I should preface myself a little bit more. Javi is such a big fan of Nick Cage that he writes a script for Nick Cage, a meta commentary on the film. (laughs) yes. The meta commentary on the film itself. And then the film proceeds to go, like continue to make commentary on the fact that they're making a film about Nick Cage. So there'll be times where characters stop and talk to each other about the plot of the film and like what would make sense and what would work out next. And then that actually happens in the film. I think the commentary that's happening with Hollywood in particular is just how predictable things are and whether Mm -hmm. or not the predictability is a good thing or a bad thing. Which is funny because a lot of people and especially a lot of film critics and filmmakers out there would look at Nick Cage and say he's a very unpredictable actor. Like that's their thing. They never know whether or not he's going to get loud or get quiet or make a weird face or say he's a sexy cat um but yeah with this film there there is a sense of predictability when you're going to watch a nicholas cage film you know exactly what he's going to do or the type of tone he's going to reach for mm-hmm. and in this film the the self-awareness of that is what's new is that like yeah. in the meta narrative of nicholas cage as a person what's new in this film is that he's acknowledging that there's a meta narrative
0: yeah yeah it's 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 a lot of um dare i say self-realization <laughs> in, in this movie about nick cage being uh i don't know if honest so to say but it is like a, a attempt at transparency right it is it mm-hmm. is the illusion of it at least that you're getting this kind of right. like voyeuristic glimpse into this very unpredictable actor and i wonder if that's half the joy of it is that on some level this movie is playing into like the absurdity of his reputation to the point of being like oh he's also this weird guy in reality right in reality he's also this weird guy who who, who goes into this goes into this large voice while just on a casual like a, you know, lunch date with a friend and <laughs>
1: He'll talk to like an alternative version of himself in his prime or he'll purchase a a really weird, gross wax statue of himself, Mm -hmm. Um, which doesn't really go to the extent of how weird he is in person. Like the man owns many snakes because he likes snakes. He also owns snake skin things. So like you're like, wait a minute. You know what you did there? Like, that is that is who Nicolas Cage is in real life, right? And yeah. You're right, Michael. This film tries to give us um, a quote-unquote peek behind the curtain of who he really is, but at the end of the day, it's just absurdity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's perhaps what makes me really end up liking this movie, because I do think that there are... It is perhaps lazy of creative of like kind of like working and creating things to simply just pull upon reality uh as as it appears right it's it's i know there's this joke that whenever you work with an artist or if you're friends with an artist or whatever you will naturally find a way into their work be it good or be it bad and that is on some level i think that that is true uh, but perhaps it's not meant to be with this level of uh explicit, and the film arguably makes the comment that it shouldn't be this level of explicit by having the movie end with him just hanging out with his family at the end of it and not wanting to kind of go and be part of the like the press with uh Javi at the end because like Javi is like this adoring fan who 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 wants also to 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 get this glimpse into Nick Cage's life when in reality. It's kind of strange that you know despite their relationship being the 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 hook of this movie the 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 true romance of this movie, it doesn't end with them together it actually ends with them separating and them kind of going two different ways and that seems it's it's so strange to me just because it reminds me, oh boy am I gonna remember am I really about to reference this movie uh do you remember the ending of super bad Joe yes, I'm referencing this just because. At the end of that movie, it is about a movie about two friends. Don't go watch it. I would recommend it now. But then in that movie, I remember it weirdly punching me in the gut at the end. That's like these two friends are kind of admitting that they're growing apart. There's something so sad about that. And in the same way that like despite the fact that this movie's been about their relationship to each other, perhaps what this movie is saying at the end of it with Nick Cage and Javi is that Nick Cage is putting up that blinder at the end to be like, no, no one's actually going to get the glimpse into what I'm like. Right. <laughs> because I'm not actually <laughs> this, this weirdo. Uh, I am weird. Just, you know, not in a transparent kind of way.
1: I guess we could save this analysis for later in the episode. Um, but there, he, he, there is a definite journey and arc to, to Nick's character in this film, because at the beginning, when he's meeting with directors about films, he's constantly trying to give himself. He's constantly yeah. trying to be completely 100% earnest, no filter. He's realizing he he needs to have some form of filter to preserve the relationships in his life. Um, yeah. th- this, this is a film that's about relationships. It's about, you know, like you said, for the most part, it is about um, uh, Nick and Javi, uh, which, by the way, Pedro Pascal so fucking cute in this film so so adorable adorable yeah he's 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 like this earnest fanboy who with a puppy dog smile like Mm -hmm. i can't you know he is he is the mr peanut butter to um to bojack horseman who is nicholas cage in this film yeah um Mm -hmm. i mean you know i haven't seen the whole, the the entirety of Bojack horseman i've only seen the first two seasons um it never quite hooked me uh i think for similar mm-hmm. reasons to why i don't think this is a perfect film um mm-hmm. but um yeah uh, the, the, the those that character those characters seem to have a lot of influence on this uh, on this film um yeah
0: yeah for me it's just that i think uh <laughs> Pedro Pascal is like he's the Mandalorian. He was in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. He doesn't have to do roles like this, and yet when he does, I it just feels like he's killing it, right? Like there's not a sing there's not a second that goes by that I feel like he's just whatevering this performance, right? He's going so no. hard into being this Nicolas Cage fanboy, you know, <laughs> and being this very insecure yet very in- earnest and sincere. Uh, man who's also a part of a, <laughs> a, a, a a a a cartel family like this is just the character that he was given and yet it somehow still works right
1: i love which, the scene where they exchange shoes
0: yeah it's cute right
1: Hmm.
0: Which, which also it's funny too because i remember i was looking at nick cage's shoes and i was like you know they actually do look like they would go really well with uh mr pascal's outfit or javi's outfit Just because of the yellow. And it's like, it's almost like someone sat down and made a decision to be like, oh, if they get there, they do look better. At this point, their relationship has been one of like equal adoration of each other and getting, and getting, uh, getting to that point. So the point where they can literally trade and they're kind of like showing up that they're on more equal, uh, footing with each other. And it's like, wow. Why can't movies do this normal? We were taught, we were making... (laughs) If friendship isn't hard to earn, <laughs> just make it a little bit earnest and sincere, you know? Marvel
1: movies, take notes.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to reference the... I, I feel like I've already negatively referenced that movie once, so I'm just not going to reference it here. It was bad. Goes to that episode, though. I feel... I, I just feel like that their relationship is so much the, the heart of this movie. And even on that level of, you know, just reading this movie for what it is, you know, taking the whole, like, meta Nick Cage allegory out of it the idea that like he is this, he's this person who's just a very uh, adoring fan that so desperately just wants his like creative work to be recognized also feels mm-hmm. like very sweet and how in how specifically like working with like working with someone is needs to be like kind of an equal platform so by nature him just giving Nick Cage a script isn't enough and so by them kind of working on it together it kind of doesn't matter if their movie was bad or not it's because they made it together and there's kind of a love and equal uh facility of craft and love kind of made in that and that i don't know once again maybe maybe i'm just more in the pocket for that uh it seems it it feels like it works a lot even if (laughs) even if it gets us really funny scenes where they're driving around the coast side together (laughs) while staring lovingly into each other's eyes high while well, high on LSD. and you get that prolonged like physical comedy bit of them running away too like scenes mm-hmm. that are sincerely funny and like rely solely on their performance too
1: mhm and their well, ability it doesn't to just... yes i think their performances have the weight of that but every scene we're we're watching is also a reference to a Nicolas Cage film of course which I don't like, get most of the time but I think it yeah. the merit of this film like to your point Michael like yes because their acting is this good <laughs> and because the mm-hmm. writing is pretty solid that's why that's why it works
0: yeah yeah this movie is so unabashed about what it is that weirdly it makes it good right mhm you know when you when you try so hard and sincere it's it's a little bit it's 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 a little bit wild just because you're watching these two very talented actors act poorly in a scene where they are acting. And it's it's, it's once again mm. we go back to the how many how many reflections deep are we at this point? Mhm. And yet somehow it ends up being really charming. Once again we cut back to the wall bit and I agree with you. This is a little bit why I was a little bit stunned about why I like this movie so much. And, to you know, to kind of discredit the whole, like, it's just Nick Cage leaning into the meme of it. I do think that's true on some level. But I also think that, I also think that, like, as we just talked about off mic, I haven't seen a lot of Nick Cage movies. Like, I realized that when we were, when we were talking about this episode, that I haven't seen a lot of them. And so probably, like, a good, like, I want to say at least 50% of the references made in this movie I didn't get. And yet I still was pretty charmed by this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, think, I think that speaks credit to the actual, like, script and performances of everyone involved. That that this movie is still charming outside of just the stray reference, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a little bit like how when we watched, uh, oh god, uh, No Way Home and... The worst. We, we both agreed one of the worst lines in that movie was uh, the, I'm something of a scientist myself, because it's just a, it's just a blatant reference when there's, there's, there's such rife with material stuff you could do. And weirdly, maybe this movie is just building blocks on itself. It uses all those mirrors to create a distorted reality that is actually just more art. It it is actually in conversation with itself in means as a means to create something of a higher, uh, a higher quality than what existed prior.
1: Are you fucking following me, bro? (laughs) 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 I'll I'll be the alternate alternative version of you in your prime, wearing a leather jacket, saying "Hell yeah." Michael? Yeah? You smooch good. (laughs) Of course I do. You heard that? Michael Ruiz smooches good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: there's a scene where he literally, I mean, he doesn't really kiss himself, but he makes out with himself. And once again, shout out to the two bros in front of me that when it happened, I just heard one of them very, very, not like loud, but like movie theater loud. Like to the point where you, I could hear it being a few rows up. He was just like, whoa.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it took everything in me to not laugh at that. And you know what? Part of me feels like that's just this movie, right? It's just like I, I i'm speechless there's so much in this movie that that leaves me uh a little bit speechless about how uh i don't have good with the capital g it is but uh a uh, charming it is
1: yeah no I, I would definitely say this film is charming um i think the first act is a little bit rough um i i, oh, really? I don't think it's yeah the first act i had a hard time with i didn't think it was cut entirely well I thought the pace was a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not until we get to him meeting Javi that I think the film really picks up.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say, I was like, I feel like weirdly the movie did, like I, I realized what the movie was doing when they joked about it turning into a a uh, a like a blockbuster style like uh, movie at the end where they're all like fighting each other with, with like they're all shooting each other. And... I kind of got that. I feel like the joke went on a little bit too long. Because uh, mm-hmm. at a certain point, I was like, I'm just waiting for this to be. I'm just waiting for the ending, you know. Uh, did right. You, did you think Javi was actually going to die at one point?
1: Potentially, yeah. I thought that Javi could die. Um, but mm-hmm. then when I saw the scene take place, I'm like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. No. I'm like yeah, like maybe some weird, like dramatic scene where H- Javi is like dying in Nicolas Cage's arms. Mm-hmm. um that, that could that could have been interesting that could have been an interesting other take on it but um to bring it back around to our point from earlier yeah i'm glad that the film ends with them going their separate ways javi embracing and engaging in hollywood and Nicolas cage uh sitting back with his family
0: i don't know if if, if a neater end to their relationship but an acknowledgement that it kind of has nowhere else to go post that and as a result Maybe it makes it that like this movie is only already only an hour and a half, and so like it knows what it is, and so it can't keep that bit going on longer than it's funny. Even if mm-hmm. once again, I also feel like that the the gun standoff scene where they're 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 declaring their love for each other is also like the movie way it's like being peak good <laughs> mm-hmm. because it, it is once again embracing that absurdity yet weirdly wholesome at the exact same time and. Once again, we've talked many, many times about our affinity for campiness, our affinity for this specific type of uh sincerity within your storytelling that that I just I just end up liking it so much more. <laughs> it's one of the best mm-hmm. standoff
1: scenes in movies I've seen in a while. How did you feel about the the the, the CIA incorporation in the film?
0: <laughs> I feel like wow okay it's like another angle of this i completely
1: forgot about i think the reason why you completely forgot about it is because it's pretty forgettable
0: (laughs) i mean yeah it's like vivian vivian's like not a character for long enough Mm
1: -hmm. i do
0: like the the brief bit of intro with her and her like a partner uh that that but it was all is all in the trailer so it's like there was really nothing more to it other than that Mm mm-hmm I guess it I guess I never would have expected Nicholas Cage never right at check back. I would have expected Nicholas Cage to be in a Mr. Bean style subterfuge movie. But, you know, maybe not like this.
1: <laughs> I didn't think that this would be the conceit of it, so to say. No, not where it's a meta commentary on his filmography and filmmaking no. uh, as a whole. Yeah. No. No, it's a it, it's a weird moment. Um, and I think the, I think the reason why it's forgettable is that like it becomes a part of the, the zaniness of the film was like, wow, what weird thing can we throw next at this scene? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I think like, it's fine, but it's, it, it only serves the purpose of drama of like, why does he distrust Javi? why you know why why must javi feel a pressure to take him out it just serves the plot and that's okay um yeah we we get two good jokes out of it one is a trailer joke um yeah yeah i was gonna say that like it does
0: remind me of as they say in the movie character-driven stories right Mm character-driven work and I feel like a lot of the times in character-driven work, if I really break down the plot of those stories, I'm like either nothing happens, <laughs> or mm-hmm. two, such weird shit happens that it kind of sounds like ridiculous on paper, right? Like you know, if I
1: were to tell you, the it ends plot up of, being a rom com.
0: Yeah, if I were to, tell which you is the what story, this film is. Yeah, if I were to tell you the story of like Final Fantasy VIII which is probably the most character-driven story of the Final Fantasy series, you would still look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You would probably look at me like, more what the fuck are you talking about than any of the other entries. It's just because that, like, every now and then, like I said, I think that, like, a character-driven work, because it's, it's meant to be about characters... That like sometimes the plot that surrounds it is purely functional. It's purely just to get our characters in different almost character dynamic exercises of like, oh, how do we bring these characters together? What was it like when these two characters are keeping a secret from each other? How do these two characters argue? Oh, what does it look like when they when they make up? Right? What would they? You know? How would they style each other? What should they do with the shoes? Right? How would your two characters? Uh, you know, talk about X, right? Like it's it's like all of these different like character exercises just sewn together, <laughs> and it's it's mm-hmm. loosely sewn together through a plot that kind of makes no sense. And so weirdly, I feel like it's that movie do it's the movie doing what it does best still, which is like you know embracing that kind of meta ness of it. That towards the end of it, it their character dynamic kind of goes away, and it's just a plot. Of Nick Cage trying to save his family. Which then gets turned into a blockbuster movie. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like, once again, maybe there's something to the idea of, like, a a nonsensical character-driven story. Because, like, even if we were to give, like, one of a movie that we both really like, that we also think is a character-driven story. Logan. Spoilers for Logan for you if you're not going to talk about, if, uh, if that bothers you okay let's talk about it before um logan is a story about wolverine trying to bring a little girl across the border that is that story <laughs> and what ends up happening they go from point like place to place to place people die and then wolverine dies <laughs> There's all this nonsense, but like the, this this testing facility, you know how did how did you know people always joke? How did uh, Gabriella get this like very high def quality, uh, you know like uh, documentary style uh, filmography for this iPhone video? You know it, it, none of it makes sense, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to see Logan connect with his daughter. <laughs>
1: you know I'm here to see Logan put his claws into people.
0: <laughs> yeah, to to attack people with his daughter in combo attacks that's why i'm here to see this movie and then Mm -hmm. to see heartbreaking uh heartfelt drama immediately after that's why rip that guy's heart out then rip my heart out that's what i'm here to see actually i don't care if none of it else makes sense i can actually forgive a plot that's bad yeah uh but you know what else joe you know what else i can forgive if it's a little bit bad trivia Trivia. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> As with every single episode of the season, Joe and I have been quizzing each other with little bits of trivia pertaining to the episode's topic. And whoever has more points at the end of the season will get to, uh, grill the other person in a Hot One-style Q&A about, uh, their favorite or least favorite moments of the season. They can be fan-submitted, and we'll probably create our own little bit of questions. But, for now, I have some questions for you, Joe. About, you know, about, about Mr. Cage himself. You know, just throwing it out there. He's topical. Um... Do you know where Nicolas Cage gets his last name Cage from? Or at least he uh claims he got it from?
1: Okay, so Nicolas Cage is actually a Coppola. Uh yep. the, the the famous director and uh and vineyard uh owner. Um yep. Cage. Where did Cage come from? Did it come from Cage fighting or playing the 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 game Rage Cage?
0: <laughs> no it did not uh i guess i we know we did this last episode and i think how we should deliver half points because cameron was dunking on us a few episodes ago i'll give you hints and so if you get it if you get it with a couple of hints then it is half point uh what if i told you that this cage comes from a character pretty close to a property we talk about all the time
1: the cage with bone saw from the from the original Spider Man movie.
0: You're close, maybe not Spider Man,
1: but oh, he's a big Superman fan. That's right. He um, but what cage is refer is in Superman the Phantom Zone? Is it a reference to the Phantom Zone?
0: No, it is not. I guess I'll call it here. It's a reference to Luke Cage from from Marvel Comics. Stuff. I, I, that's weird i, 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 <laughs> listen, I don't want to unpack that a little bit too much but yes allegedly is a reference to luke cage from marvel comics
1: interesting yeah. interesting uh, i know okay well you know i'm i'm glad he's a fan uh
0: my next question is do you know what nicholas cage intends to do with his dead body
1: Oh, is it put it put it up in Madame Tussauds? To claim it's a wax figure. <laughs> no. Oh, does he want to do a Viking funeral with it?
0: You're getting cl- you're getting closer, uh, but um, I guess my hint will be, um, th- yeah, think of think of burial practices that. Think of a burial practice that only someone with a lot
1: of money could probably do. Okay, only two things come to mind right now. One, he's going to put his body as like a crash test dummy, but it's going to go through an entire route of American Ninja Warrior. Or or he wants it to be used in a new Jackass movie. I (laughs) I really can't think of anything else.
0: Oh, boy.
1: Okay, one last hint.
0: What if I told you it was going to be buried in a specific kind of shape?
1: Does he want his body buried in the shape of a cage?
0: <laughs> Not quite. He wants to be buried in a pyramid. Oh. Like, apparently he's going to he, have his own that's pyramid. That's what you meant.
1: I thought you meant that his body would be contorted into a shape. So I thought, I'm like, oh, he wants his limbs to be, like, made like a cage? Like, he's, that's fucking weird. Okay, so he wants to be buried in a pyramid. He wants some, like, instead of a mausoleum, it's going to be a pyramid. Yes. That's fucking weird.
0: You know, I think you could say that about all of these. Anyway, Uh so my last question is not about Nick Cage, actually. It's about Pedro Pascal, because he does such a good job. Uh, Do you know what show Pedro Pascal famously died on In like one of his like first roles Or first I should say one of his first roles His first well-known roles
1: Was it Game of Thrones? It was not Game of Thrones It was pre-Game of Thrones Mm. Here's the thing You could tell I don't know whether or not he died on Game of Thrones I did not watch the entire series Um, So I just took (laughs) a stab in the dark So we don't have to spoiler it I'm sorry if you're upset if he doesn't die. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what show did he famously? Ooh, I don't know. Ooh, uh, uh, NCIS.
0: You know, I'm gonna give it to you just because the show is Law and Order. So you if you guessed any cop procedure, I would have given it to you because yeah, there's a famous Law and Order episode where he's the villain and he just dies, and for some reason that's like apparently that was like the exposure he needed. He's got, a, In his own words, he's got a face you can kill.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. I love that for him.
0: <laughs> but those are all my questions. Joe, what do
1: you got? Uh, okay. So, Michael, my first question to you is, what is Nicolas Cage's highest rated film that he is a starring role in? So, like, I'm not sure. I don't believe Spider-Verse would count in this instance. Oh, my God. Um, Highest rated film
0: Something tells me It'd have to be closer Because less people Would have had to seen it Um, mm-hmm. uh, Or something newer Or maybe it has to be Something older I want to go ahead And say Pig Just because people I heard people Like talking about that movie I did not watch it myself But I'll say Pig You're right It's Pig
1: Is it actually? Guess. Yeah it's Pig Oh okay Yeah Oh, good for Nicolas Cage! Yeah. All right. Next question. So, what superhero was Nicolas Cage cast as, but uh, uh, never made it to production? That
0: would be the famous Superman. The, the famous Superman photo that 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 all we ever seen is photos. We've never mm-hmm. seen the movie. Uh, yes,
1: there's even a documentary about it um, called um, The Death of Superman Lives. That was the movie title. The Death of Superman Lives. What happened? And yeah, Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman in directed by Tim fucking Burton. It was going to yep. take place in the future of the Batman movies timeline where Superman died, but then was reborn and needs to w- with like a rainbow suit that empowers him and he was going to fight brainiac. Go pride. This was a movie. There's some fucking buck wild concept art, but this movie got canned in exchange for um uh The Wild Wild West, I think starring um uh Will Smith. Um, oh, th- yeah, okay. there is there is a very famous Kevin Kevin uh Kevin Smith bit about this that you can find online. Yeah, anyway, th- that movie's fucking wild. I wish that movie Became real. I would love to see Nicolas Cage as Superman. Um, yeah. I hope he. I think. I think it'd be nice to hear him voice Superman in an animated thing. That may have already mm-hmm. happened, but if not, yeah. I would love to see it happen.
0: I'll tell you what, Lex. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. You're going to put me in front of this whole thing, of Kryptonite, and I'm going to stop you. <sighs> You're a monster zod and I'm going to stop you. <laughs>
1: Oh my god. Never mind.
0: You know, at the end of Shazam, where where Superman steps up right next to uh, Shazam at the end of the movie? That should have been Nick Cage. That that should have been Nick Cage. Cage.
1: (laughs) I would love to see an edit of that with Nicolas Cage's costume. Oh my god. Um, (laughs) All right. So, uh, my final question for you is a dumb numbers question. Mm -hmm. Where, uh, how many films has Nicolas Cage appeared in? oh boy um i'm gonna go ahead and guess like
0: 100 and like 17 sure
1: you are exactly three off 120 is the answer
0: oh my god wow
1: i'm gonna give you a point for that this man has appeared in 120 films oh my god mr cage dial it back (laughs) No, no, he needed to pay off his debt, Michael. (laughs) That's true. We have been, we
0: have, this whole movie has been about take the roles you want, because why the fuck not? Oh my goodness. Okay, well, you know, that's a great, that's a great transition to what we were going to talk about at this, because in all seriousness, Joe, after seeing this movie, after, you with the little, little bit of his filmography we have seen. I have to sincerely ask you, Joe, is Nicolas Cage a good actor, good or bad?
1: Yeah, I would say Nicolas Cage is a good actor. I think okay, he's a good actor because he 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 does have range. The fact that he's able to he's able to do this comedy, yeah. and this isn't the only comedy he's done. He was in Raising Arizona, a Coen Brothers film. You know, like he he can do comedy, he can do very serious action. And he's been Mm -hmm. able to evolve with the action genre. That's not something that happens very often, to be frank. No. You know, you'll get an actor who's like, the gimmick is that they're old. And like Mm -hmm. you as an old straight dad are like, man, I remember when I loved his action movies as a kid. So I'm going to watch it again because he's old now. Um, There's an entire genre of movies called The Expendables just for this. Yeah. Um,
0: Are you are you a dad? Do you feel emasculated? Do you want to watch the most like testosterone-pumping action movie you've ever seen?
1: Yes. Um, that's that's that. But Nicolas Cage isn't that, to be clear. Nicolas Cage wasn't no. in the expendables, and the reason why is because he was actually still hot at the time. He could still play he could still play an action star. The premise of those films is that they're washed-up action stars. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um Nicolas Cage is able to evolve in that and I think that's a testament to him in his acting range um yeah. you know so I would say yeah he he is a good actor what about you what you agreed with me so why do you think he's uh, a good actor
0: yeah, I I think that we, we've we been talking about this the whole episode, and I think that it, it's still true, and perhaps it's worth expanding on a little bit more here, that, like, the importance of that range, specifically, because I agree with you, I think that that's ultimately what this movie kind of wants to underline, or very least what Nicolas Cage himself seems to want to underline in some capacity, that is, he, you know, he has range, he does not play the same character over and over and over again he wants to play different characters and i think when we're talking about actors who have to act that's kind of important right like that's kind of like by nature of uh, you know being involved with that level of craft it means having to show off that level of ability right and that ability to not also <laughs> I guess, weirdly, not be, like, solely typecasted, and also not just have that character read as you, either, you know, I, I think that for so long, uh, I'll dunk on him, because he, he why not, he sucks, that, like, someone like Chris Pratt had such a rise to fame, based off of, like, this character, this character that he played, he, and he played really well, but, like, you know, that's kind of all he has, like, Andy Dwyer adjacent is kind of all he had to offer, outside of his like really conservative uh straight guy you know straight action guy in you know in uh whatever those bad uh you know like late or like mid-thousands uh war movies were and uh the jurassic world series but i think that what this seems to be getting at is that by nature of having range it means you can just show off dimension and that's 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 a that's a that's a skill, right? That's a that's a talent. That's not something that you can just do because it involves having to have that level of like intricate thought, intricate appreciation for the craft itself of like acting and performance. And I think that like outside of like obviously the movie's kind of making fun of him for that level of being a, a cinephile and whatnot, and there's of course a little bit of a narcissism angle to it, but what it is saying is that he likes this. He likes that idea of playing all these different characters. And so by nature of him being so sincerely in love with this idea, yeah, that makes him a good actor, right? Like he he is good at this. And he is interested mm-hmm. in expanding on it and playing and, and and seeing how far it can go, right? To the point of playing, once again, six reflections deep version of himself. And is that maybe a little bit indulgent? Maybe. But it's also interesting, I still enjoyed this movie, and so yeah, yeah, I, I think that like weirdly, I'm curious to toss the question back to you that like that like when when we talk about characters that like you know we we think give a good performance or give a good whatever, or they they were really believable in this scene, what do you think comes to mind because that is also like the through line of him of of Nick Cage specifically in this movie about like what defines a good? actor right like what is a good performance so to say i'm curious what comes to mind because this is this is a common talking point right people say so many people are good actors but i don't know i I feel like it's not it's not like this right they don't Mm -hmm. mean it like this most time people say a good actor they're just like saying oh i like them in you know i like tom holland because he's in spider-man movies and i like spider-man movies
1: right i think a good in popular culture, when we think of a quote unquote good actor, it's an actor who does a 100% complete transformation of what they physically and, uh, appear as on the screen. That's not necessarily mm-hmm. like, oh, like fucking Christian Bale gaining or losing 50 p- pounds. I'm referring to something more like um, Leonardo DiCaprio, where it's like he does he is not he is not the same person in, say, Django Unchained that he is in Titanic at all yeah they're not different mm-hmm. kinds of people the way in which he moves his face the way in which his voice sounds like that is completely different and i think that that is a good actor but Nicolas cage is not that kind of actor Nicolas cage no. has a few sets of yeah um recognizable uh ticks mannerisms mm-hmm. that you that people can easily latch on to and make fun of but and he uses them in different ways and he Mm -hmm. uses them to convey different levels and kinds of emotion. In that sense, he's, in that sense, he's a Swiss army knife in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, rather than changing from like a knife to a sword, you know? So an actor who reminds me of Nicolas Cage in this way, uh, is the first thing on my mind. Funny enough, uh, Adam driver, um, recently, okay. I saw an interview. Yeah, recently I saw an interview where Martin Scorsese Scorsese um, said that Adam Driver is one of the best actors of his generation, which is mm-hmm. interesting considering Martin Scorsese has worked with Leonardo DiCaprio like ten times, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Leonardo DiCaprio has been a completely different character and all that. But Adam Driver, he has a type of character he can play, but mm-hmm. through his mannerisms, he's able to convey a really wide range of emotion. Um, yeah. I think he's a really good actor in that sense.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. And perhaps that's another angle to what this movie is attempting to do with that meta commentary is that by, by nature of following a single actor through, you know, their filmography, much like following a writer or a, director or whoever it is it is you're seeing that same ability on display constantly right it's no different the difference there is of course it's a face right it's a little bit more material at times because what we just recognize as this person it's hard to distance that sometimes from the performance itself right it's kind of like how we were talking during our peacemaker episode about how you know writers can sometimes write the same story over and over and over again until they get it right until they tell the version of it that they felt like was the true takeaway they wanted to do and it's kind of like that with act i think could be like that with actors as well but i think i think you're absolutely right that what does nick cage know he can bring to the table and ridiculous as it might be you can't deny that there's a there's a, there's a breath there and there is a there is a choice being made right you could argue maybe they're not always good choices, but there are choices being made. And not all of them are made with the intention of just selling, you know, like selling uh, box office tickets. You know, they're, <clears throat> they're done because he thinks they're interesting. And once again, it does not, t- it, you know, maybe and what I'm saying is give me more movies like this that weirdly by being self-referential, we had a more enjoyable, good time than I did out of uh, you know a blockbuster superhero movie which you know I also are, can be formulaic and self-referential in ways that I kind of just find grading you know mm-hmm. and and the bromance the I'm sorry the romance between uh Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage was the breath of life that I actually needed right now they they, they kiss new life into the
1: idea well, actually, Nicolas Cage kissed new life into the idea by kissing himself in that in that That's, film. Yeah, they they yeah. never kissed each other, but they should have because, yeah, their chemistry was insane in this film. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. and You know what? I'm going to go further to say Pedro Pascal is another uh, actor, I would say, who, like Nicolas Cage, has a lot of has a lot of range and is a very, very good actor. To think that this person, this charming, lovable, sweet, earnest man, is also the stoic Mandalorian—you know—can
0: you believe they put this, this 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 man who like really knows how to? Like, I never realized how well Pedro Pascal and like is, is animated with his facial expressions, and more mm-hmm. so than in this story. And for some reason, some. Fucking John Favreau decided, what if I told a story where he has a fucking bucket on his head 99% of the time? And which is why I remember thinking some of the best moments of specifically season two are the moments where that bucket comes off, right? When that bucket when he takes it off, and he has to do so much with that little bit amount of time that it exists without it, that he exists without it. And that like you know, go listen to our Mandalorian season two episode that like it's one of my favorite moments where he he loses the helmet and he has to do so much with the idea that he looks uncomfortable he's also trying to make it look like he belongs and that's so much of that is just his like facial expression so much of that is just like his body language and that's so that's you know that that's difficult that that is skill that that's a craft right there and so Mm -hmm. shout out to these two they're doing a great job you know Mm -hmm. uh, give me more scenes with them staring lovingly into each other's eyes as they drive down the coast side while high on lsd i love it uh but i guess we are getting to time here joe so you know what what are your wrap-up thoughts on the unbearable weight of massive talent and you know what nicholas cage as a whole does nicholas cage get the champion belt is that what our takeaway this episode is
1: 100 percent. this man has an oscar a golden globe a few other awards why not have a champion belt i'm gonna he give he it got? to him i don't think he's an egot my guy i don't i wouldn't be surprised if he won a tony uh he hasn't won <laughs> an emmy um oh okay wait or a grammy do you need a grammy or do you need a golden globe i don't remember you need with a the golden G- globe i believe okay wait
0: I uh, now i don't Should- know
1: Anyway, um, this is made up I shit. Feel, Go, keep going. Yeah, it's made up shit. But, um, okay, so thoughts on the film? The film's fun. It's a good time. Um, the chemistry between Javi and Nicolas Cage is great. Um, Nicolas Cage shows in this film that he does, in fact, have range. Um, it's an interesting meta commentary, and it honestly reminds me a hell of a lot of Bojack Horseman uh, in terms of content and tone. Um, but like I said earlier in the episode, the thing that kind of, the reason why I'm not able to, to stick with, um, the reason why I wasn't able to stick with Bojack Horseman as a show is I think that show, while being five seasons long and X amount of episodes each season, each episode or so, we get more and more into like the psychological nature of Bojack as a character. Mm -hmm. And that character... Is often and like that deep dive is often like oh here is traumatic backstory and we just go rinse and repeat that over and over again to say man isn't this character traumatized and that's why the character is the way he is and mm. that's fine but it's just depressing after a while <laughs> and, and and honestly uh, and honestly draining um, to watch yeah. to watch that rinse and repeat um, th- okay. this film tries I think. It tries to get to the psychological nature of why Nick Cage is the way he is a little bit, and to its credit, it doesn't go that deep. It instead favors the comedy. But sometimes that comedy doesn't entirely land. Like I said before, the CIA stuff doesn't really work for me. Um, I understand why it's there Mm plot-wise, but um, it wasn't that entertaining. Um, And like you said, towards the end of the film, the action sequence does dredge on a bit long. And it's funny because it calls that out before it happens. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, can can it end though? Yeah. Um, but you can make it shorter, right? So yeah, this film's good. I would recommend it. Um, it's a fun time. And, you know, I think in terms of the commentary on art and Hollywood filmmaking, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I think I agree with
0: you. I think I kind of completely agree that I, I, for the same reasons that like, I I don't think that this movie is perfect. It's a popcorn movie. Like, if anything, if there's any type of true transparency with this movie is just why does Nick Cage as a performer, which I guess is like kind of like the real, I think, transparency we're trying to get here. Like, why does he make the choices he does? Ultimately, just to say, just because he thinks it's interesting. And just because why not? Right? Right you know like mm-hmm. this is this is his craft so to say so he is going to play roles that are interesting to him does that mean all of them are good no but that's you know sometimes any any artist will tell you they made bad stuff you know i do the same mm-hmm. thing you know i a lot of a lot of what i look, look back on a lot of my own personal work and it's also not good so mm-hmm. um i think I as i agree with you i really ended up liking this movie for what it was even though i i think i agree that Perhaps if it's a comedy, then doesn't quite show off his his capacity for drama. But you know, at that point, maybe I'm uh, going to the wrong thing. I still ended up having a lot of fun with the two bros in my theater, as we were the three people in this theater at eleven o'clock at night watching the unbearable weight of massive talent. So I guess Nick Cage gets the belt. <laughs> my God, uh, you, was... wa- you watch
1: you watched it at eleven.
0: Yep. Anyway. <laughs> um uh, so nick cage gets the belt and i will give the unbearable weight of massive talent through seven out of ten paddington two recommendations
1: yes oh we didn't even talk about Paddington two and how it's it's name dropped twice in this movie the reason mm-hmm. why it's one of the highest rated films on on rotten tomatoes if not the highest it was the highest at one point um mm-hmm. Yeah, oh my gosh, my rating, I'm going to give it um, 7 out of 10 grotesque wax figures of uh, Nicolas Cage. Both work. (laughs) Yeah, and for those of you keeping score at home, uh, I am currently, I believe, at 22 points, and Michael is at 25.5.
0: I thought it was at 25, because I got 2.5.
1: Oh, you're at 25. Okay, Michael's at 25. Narrowing his lead. A little bit. Um, not really. No, actually, the lead's gotten larger. Anyway, um, maybe uh, I'll have to eat a bunch of hot wings, and Michael will have to ask me questions. Who's the, Who's to say? Uh, who's make sure say? to email <laughs> us or tweet us your questions that you want to ask us.
0: Yeah, I think that. But I think other than that, I think that's gonna do it for us this week on Champion Casters. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Make sure to watch out for Nicholas Cage, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>
1: Bye. Bye.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram
1: at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renro for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes.
0: (laughs) And I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry.
1: I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at Twitter.com and Instagram at Joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.